Hey y'all, this is Bud Elliott, and welcome to another edition of the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. Uh, I'm here today with my co-host, uh, Morgan Moriarty. Morgan, what's going on? Doing well, Bud. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm finally getting a little bit of fall weather, so that's it's kind of nice. A uh, lot of, and recruiting is kind of picking up here. So if y'all uh, y'all are enjoying these episodes and want a little more recruiting focused in a recruiting based podcast, and we certainly endeavor to do that when there's actual recruiting news to talk about. Well, you're in luck because we have some little more uh, to chat about. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music. I think we're also on Stitcher. And if you enjoy it, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Bud Elliott Three at SBN Recruiting, and you can follow Morgan at Morgan underscore Moriarty. So let's uh, get it kicked off here. Uh, we're going to play a little buy, sell, or hold today. We've got about about two months before the uh, the early signing period kicks in and recruiting rankings are starting to, to somewhat stabilize. There'll still be a lot of movement, of course, but maybe a little opportunity to say, hey, what, what do you think is going to happen to some of these schools? So what do you say we play a little buy, sell, or hold? So buy will be, I think they're, they're going to improve, uh, sell, Obviously, they're headed for a bit of a downturn, and hold is, that seems about right. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's go alphabetical order here. First team is going to be Alabama. Uh, 11 total commitments right now, seven uh, four stars, three or uh, four three stars, and they are 24th in the nation uh, right now. Morgan, what, what do you think they're going to do? Um. So, like, if I don't think they'll finish 24th, I'm selling what do you mean? Or am I, I buying their class? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to buy too, uh, because I feel like they're going to they're going to go up from where they are now. You know, um, I feel like I mean it's it's hard to not predict that. I mean they've had what seven straight number one overall classes. Um, that might you know not happen again this year, which would be okay. Alabama fans don't freak out. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's really weird for them to be that far down, especially, you know, it's October. It's it's not the middle of the summer, but um, definitely going to sell them staying in the 20s. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. And you got to remember that they have so much new staff that, mm-hmm. that are, are just trying to form relationships. It's not like Brian Dayball has been coaching college football. He's been in the NFL. Right. He doesn't know these kids um, a whole lot. So it's going to take him a little while to build that up. All right. How about uh, Clemson? Clemson currently sitting uh, just outside the top 10. They're 17th, but only 11 kids in that class. Yeah, certainly expect them to go um, way up. Dabo Sweeney's done a really great job there recently. Um, so I'll put them inside, maybe at 10 and inside the top 10 at least. I, I think their only limiting factor is going to be just just class size. We, we know mm-hmm. they can only take about, about 18 kids in this class. Pound for pound, it's going to be as talented as any class in the country. It's just not going to have 25 kids in it. You do have arguably the best offensive and defensive player in the country in Xavier Thomas, the DN, and Trevor Lawrence, the, the QB, who plays up by you. Um, that that That's a really sick class, and I agree. I think that, that almost everybody they, they add to that class from here on out will be just absolute studs, and, and it'll help their ranking go up. What about – this is a little trickier. Uh, what about the Gators? Currently eighth uh, – 17 total commits, uh, more four-stars than three-stars. It's a really nice class right now. They finally have a quarterback they, they feel like they love in Matt Corral. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, 
because I don't think Florida's season is going to end like it has, you know, the past couple years under Jim McElwain. Um, so interesting to see if that sways even some out-of-state guys like Matt Corral to a USC maybe. Um, but certainly I think it just depends on how the rest of the season goes. I don't even know if Florida's going to make a bowl. Um, now I could be wrong. Jim McElwain could just say, you know, hey, this is a down year. Look what I did the first couple years. Um, you can do that with us. But um, I don't. I don't think they'll stay at eight. If they had the staff that they had before this year, I, I think I would agree with you that that they there's a good chance they drop. But I do trust this Florida staff to recruit. They're they're, they're better recruiters than the first round of hires McElwain made. I'm gonna hold Florida. I'm not gonna sell them. I'm certainly not going to buy them right now. I think there's a greater chance they go down than they go up, but I, mm-hmm. I think they'll probably be in that sort of 8 to 15 range. Uh, there's still some guys out there they could add. Uh, they're going to need to hold on to Jamar Chase, obviously a receiver out of Louisiana who they love. They're going to need to hold on to, uh, to, to Copeland, who I know has visited Alabama a couple times. Uh, and you're right, they're going to need to hold on to Matt Corral, but that'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, up, up the road on I-10 a little bit, Florida State at 7 uh, 19 commits, uh, nine four stars, and 10 three stars. I, I think I'm just going to do the same thing here that I did with Florida and just hold. Right? I think there's some guys they could leave. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Out of their class, like you know, a lot of people think Marcus Ezard will will, will flip or, or leave. Um, you know, I I think Florida State's throwing out some offers to kids who you, know, you might consider as some Plan B kids because the season has not gone all that well. You know, they've not been able to get Pat Sertan on campus. Um, you know, we'll see about these some of these George offensive linemen who I know they like, but they're kind of struggling to get them on visits right now, and the guys seem to be looking elsewhere. I think that hold range. I, I don't think I don't like four state chances of finishing with the top five class right now, but I don't know that it's going to crater. And and like some of these schools that we're going to mention, there's probably going to be a decent number of coaching changes on Florida State staff. I mean, you can make a legitimate case to fire five or six of their guys. Mm-hmm because Jimbo's never cleaned house and, and he's never actually fired anybody. So over time, some of those stale staff members kind of build up and build up almost like if you never clean out your refrigerator and who knows if they hire a bunch of stud recruiters, then then they could potentially uh, have another great class. If they don't, then I think they'll probably fall. So right now I'm just going to split the baby and, and say, hold. Yeah, I'll go stay as well. And also like the timing wise, especially with the new early signing period, even if Jimbo, hire some great guys. I mean, you might, they might not have time to get some of the talented guys that are on their big board. Yeah, exactly. I think that one of the consequences, and I know we'll have an episode soon on this of the early signing period might be that some of these coaching hires happen sooner to, so that the new guys can establish relationships with some of the existing commits so that they don't flip. Uh, Yeah. Like maybe after um, rivalry week. Exactly. Yeah, you got to have some of your candidates lined up and ready to go. Uh, how about Georgia? Georgia currently sitting at number 12, uh, 16 overall commits, and uh, nine blue chips, seven three-stars so far. Um, I'm going to buy, and I think that'll be higher at than number 12 by signing day. I really uh, love what Kirby Smart did last year. Um, you know, I, I don't see him not doing something similar this year especially with the year Georgia's having already. So um, predict easily, I think, a top 10 class. Even if they're outside of the top 10, their class is still really good right now. It really is. I mean, they, 
<clears throat> getting Justin Fields is so key. You know, a lot of people in that state are going to want to follow him. Um, you know, you, you got two awesome guard prospects who are very high on, on Georgia with, with Trey Hill and Jamar Sillier. You got Adam Anderson, who's one of the best outside linebackers in the nation. Um, there's a lot of good kids Georgia could still add. I, in fact, I'm, this might be my my strongest buy other than Alabama as far as how much I think they'll move up in the rankings. I, I think Georgia has a legitimate shot to finish with the top five class despite the fact that they're only number 12 right now. Uh, how about the Hurricanes? This is kind of an interesting one here. They're, they're number three in the nation right now. They have 19 commits, uh, 14 blue chippers, only five three-stars in this class right now. Mm, they're three right now? They're third, yeah. I'm going to say stay. And I was just looking at their class from last year. That's like a hell of a turnaround for Mark Richt. Obviously, your first recruiting class is going to be, you know, a little bit on the transitional side. But um, last year they had more three stars than than four stars. So um, I'll go stay for Miami right now. I think that's fair. I'm, I'm kind of straddling uh, hold and sell uh, just because I, I don't know – uh, for Miami, you might have more kids that you have to worry about holding on to and, and prevent them from flipping than you do like remaining stud targets who you can still sign. Miami has done an absolutely great job of getting the guys who were Miami leans to become Miami verbal commits. Now the, the issue is can, can you hold on to all those guys down the stretch? They're having the season that you think they need to have in order to do that. And if you're, mm-hmm. I mean, I know recently they've, they've battled Florida a lot for some prospects and they're having a better year than Florida. So that probably helps Miami. To hold on to some of these dudes, uh, I I think they got a great chance to finish in, in the top ten. Um, I don't know if they can hold on at number three overall, but I, I'll I'll go hold that uh, I think they'll be somewhere, kind of in that I don't know three to seven range. Did I say stay? I meant hold. <laughs> uh, that's same, same thing, thing, I guess. Same, yeah, exactly. It's it's well. By the time people listen to this, it'll be a Thursday. We're 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 past hump day. Uh, how about Notre Dame? Kind of an interesting one here. Irish currently with 16 commits, number nine in the country, uh, nine blue chip prospects, some room to add some more, probably won't be an enormous class. Uh, I don't know. I feel like because so much of Notre Dame's season is still in front of them, I don't know how much that will affect this year's recruiting class per se. Um, but them – Getting in the top ten. I mean, when's the last time that happened for Notre Dame? I mean, I feel like they've always recruited well, but not necessarily like in in the super elite category, right? Um, you know, they they have some academic stuff that there are certain kids they just can't take, and that mm-hmm. does hurt them somewhat on the margins. But I, I'm going to go hold just because I totally agree with you. Look how much their season is left to play. They still play Miami. They still play NC State. They still play USC uh, this weekend. They still play. They play Stanford, don't they? So, yep. I mean, you're talking four major opponents left who are all, at the very least, top 25, if not top 15 type caliber teams there. That's that, that's going to be one to watch. Okay, a uh, couple more here. Ohio State, number one overall. So, you, you can't really say buy. Uh, they, they cannot get any higher. Uh, so, either hold or sell with the Buckeyes. Um, I'll go hold. Why not? I don't think it's O2. Yeah, like there's – there's no reason to think they're going to drop much, if, if at all. Uh, they, they've got a, a loaded class. Already have four five-stars in the Ooh. class. That's 
I don't think any school out there has. Okay, Georgia has two, and Clemson has two, but nobody has more than two, other than Ohio State, which has four and uh, and sixteen total blue chippers. That's that's pretty solid. What about uh, what about Oklahoma here? Kind of a resurgence under Lincoln Riley, uh, number ten nationally, nineteen commits, um, six blue chips, thirteen uh, three stars. I know some Oklahoma fans feel some of those three stars are perhaps more of that four-star caliber, but just looking at the total aggregate here. Um, I guess I'll go first on this one. I, I'm going to sell them a little bit just because their their star rating is not that good. Um, and as more teams add some more commitments, and I'm not saying Oklahoma's going to plummet or anything. I just think that it's more likely they go down than up in the final. So I'm going to sell the Sooners slightly, but I still think this is a really nice class for Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I'll agree with you. And I mean, usually your first year as a head coach, your recruiting class is, you know, not what it is in year two or year three, or at least what it's, you know, what you expect it to be. So, I mean, that's huge that he already has the number nine class in the country and he's been the head coach for what? When did Bob Stoops retire? It was over the summer. Uh, Trying to think it was. But it was after it was after the spring game, wasn't it? I don't, well, just I just mean like for just a short period of time to already oh, have yeah, yeah. that class. Um, uh, beginning of June, he ac- he actually retired. So so okay. Riley has not has not even been in. I mean, that's you know, four or five months now. That's yeah, that's not much time. And, and even if some of those guys were already, you know, Oklahoma commits before Bob Stoops retired, that just tells you what continuity, you know, Stoops wanted to give the program when he handed it over to him. Absolutely. Okay, uh, here's one for you. Oregon. You know Oregon is the number five recruiting class in the nation? Willie Taggart effect. I like it. But not enough. I'm not going to buy that. (laughs) Um, I agree. I mean, I could easily see some of them flipping – like late that could cost a top 10 class. But I mean, I I can see a solid class, maybe 11 or 12 for Taggart's first year, which is huge. There's two things going against Oregon here, right? Which I'm going to agree that that I'm going to sell them. Although I don't think they're going to be a bad class. I think it's going to be an excellent class, a great building block class for Willie Taggart. Number one, they already have 23 commits. So as other people get more commits, Oregon will start to fall a little bit. Number two, they, you're right. They do have a lot of kids from out of state, you know, a lot of Florida kids, Arizona kids, Texas kids. And, you know, sometimes it's tough to have those guys uh, stick their commitments so far away from home. Taggart's done a great job of helping them to get, get up on campus early and take those early crucial visits so that the official visit is not the first one they take. And that's really key. But, you know, Oregon's not having – the season that they wanted to have now because they, they've been losing games after they lost their quarterback. And that, that stinks, but it also helps them or hurts them to not be kind of in that national thought, right? Like I, I haven't thought about Oregon nationally in, in a couple of weeks because they're not mm-hmm. in the top 25. They're actually an underdog this weekend to UCLA. Um, huh. You know, that would, I mean, they, I don't know what their, what their uh, Bill Connolly football study hall projected record is. I can pull this up. 
but they're four and three right now. Um, they, yeah, they're at UCLA. They host Utah. They're at Washington. They host Arizona, and they finish with Oregon State. Oregon State's a surefire win. I don't think any of those other games are surefire wins, and the Washington is probably a surefire loss. So they're if you say they go what two and three down the stretch, you're you're looking at uh, at a six and six season. That's that's not a season that's necessarily going to get recruits excited. Now they're going to be excited about future playing time. They're going to be excited about the facilities, uniforms, about about the pitch that Taggart has, and I think all those things are very legitimate. But it would be nice for Oregon if they hadn't lost their quarterback and they could have maybe gone like eight and four, nine and three. Yeah, and I think um, the the window for Taggart is is going to be next season. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. All right, uh, Penn State currently number four in the nation, twelve blue blue chip kids um, hosting a, a big time number of kids this weekend with with Michigan coming to town. Saquon Barkley with the Heisman campaign. What you got, more? You got buy, sell, or hold? I can see them ending up with a top 10, maybe even like the number five class, but I think the top five is going to be a little bit crowded. So, like, I could see them finishing top 10 class, I, maybe I, I coming in at five. Yeah, I think they could finish top 10. Um, I'm a little more optimistic, I guess, than, than you are on them, but I they already have 22 commits. So, to me – that, that somewhat limits their upward mobility. I think they're they're more likely to go down than up, but they do have some top targets left on their board. You know, they, they have guys uh, like a Tyreek Smith, like, like a uh, uh, Micah Parsons, like Quantel Reigns. They, they have a number of good good players who they're still in on and who they have a good shot to get. So they could get those guys, but I just don't think this class is going to be like 28 or 29 big. Right. And I'm sure some schools will take that many, which which could limit them a little bit. And we also don't know. I mean, the next two weekends are crucial. They host Michigan, and they got to go to Columbus. Right. That that's not easy. If they win both of those, they could probably have a top three class. Yeah, but if they lose both, I mean, sure. <laughs> then I'm then I'm more confident in my myself. I absolutely. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee. Oh gosh, Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee is number six in the country. They have nine uh, four-star or five-star recruits. They have 13 uh, three-stars. I actually spoke with uh, a Tennessee commit last night, uh, Shockey Jocks-Louis, and uh, he had some good things to say about Tennessee, but also some bad things to say about Tennessee, mainly. I thought he had some pretty smart quotes, actually. I'll, I'll read one of these to you. Uh he said, to be honest, I'm still committed to Tennessee, but I'm definitely looking at other options due to uh, certain situations at Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, like putting it very nice and vaguely. Yeah, and so I was like, all right, so the situation at Tennessee. He's like, well, you know, Coach Jones, I love him to death, but I'd be a fool to go there and he'll just end up missing, you know, because uh, he's on right. the hot seat. And then um, he talked about how Larry Scott is a key piece of his recruitment. Larry Scott's their offensive coordinator. He's a big-time recruiter down in the southwest Florida area. And uh, he also said that he would not sign with Tennessee uh, if their coaching situation was still unclear because he's going to be one of these kids who's looking to sign on the early signing days. He's got good grades, uh, and, he, and he's scheduled to graduate early. He says, uh, no, because I talked to multiple people about their situation, how they went to college and thought the coach was going to be there, and the whole thing flipped on them, and then they were left playing on the bench trying to be a practice hero. So... 
It's hard to disagree with him there, though. Tennessee, number six in the nation. I I, I got him. I, I'm selling hard on this. I, I think there's five or six kids who are already on flip watch. They've already had one kid decommit. They've had two others uh, sort of like make a soft uh, reopening uh, of their thing. It's, it's, yeah. Hard sell for me, too. And, I mean, when you have a guy – like that, who's obviously loves Tennessee and and wants to go there, but he's already you know really aware of, of the situation there. I mean, Tennessee's three and three, and they have Alabama this week. That line's the biggest it's ever been in that Alabama Tennessee series, and the rest of the back half of the schedule. I mean, I, I don't. There's no way. I agree. Um... No, that's not going to happen. How about number two in the nation right now, Texas. Texas, who picked up uh, Deshaun Jameson. They call him the Shark. A really good corner out of uh, Houston Lamar. Uh, Where do you have Texas going? 19 commits, 15 blue chips, only four three stars in this class right now. This is another interesting situation, kind of like Florida's, because I don't know how the rest of Texas' season is going to go. I mean, it would be huge for Tom Herman to haul in the number two class in the country. So just because of that, I mean, that's like really rare for a first year head coach to do that. So I'm going to sell at two, but I, I still like really like their class and think that they can do something great. I'm gonna probably sell it too, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I, I would buy them them staying in the top five. I mean, there's still a good number of prospects on their board. Yeah, no, that's land. fair. I'll agree with you there. So maybe that's a hold. Like like if if they're somewhat close to the same range, like I don't think they're gonna plummet. Okay. I don't think they're gonna go up. I'm, I'm I'm gonna call that a hold for me then. All right, uh, we have what uh, two more Texas A&M. Interesting situation here because Kevin Sumlin is kind of on the hot seat or kind of not. 16 total commits. They're number 13 in the country right now. Uh, eight blue chippers. He, you, what do you think is going to happen there? Or is that something that you think is just too hard to call? Yeah, I, I'll just go stay for now just because um, I don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Sumlin. Um, it looks like he could be off the hot seat by the end of the year, which we've seen him done before last season, uh, most recently. Um so I, I'll just go stay just because I have no idea what to make of what's going to happen. All right. Uh, and in the last uh, – I'm, I'm going to do the same thing, I think. And then UCLA. UCLA, who is number 11 right now, uh, 20 commits. I, I'm going hard sell on, on, on the Bruins. Um, I'm, not, I'm not 100% convinced they're going to make a bowl game. Um, you know, they have Josh Rosen. This is last season. I think a lot of people are beginning to probably sour on Jim Mora as a coach. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hard selling the Bruins at number 11. Yeah, agree. All right. Uh, so some quick uh, visitor news for this weekend. As we noted earlier, Penn State has uh, Tyreek Smith and Quantel Reigns. looks like they're coming in. Florida State is hosting Terrace Marshall, the receiver who many believe is the best in the nation. And Notre Dame has a bunch of kids coming in. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who we spoke about visiting Michigan a couple weekends ago, the little brother of Equinamius St. Brown, uh, good receiver there. And Solomon uh, Pupu is also coming in, linebacker, uh, West Coast kid, and, and somebody that Notre Dame 
would really like to have on their defense. So some names to watch out for this weekend. If I were a recruit, it would be on my bucket list to go to a Penn State wideout game. So that's going to be awesome for Tyreek Smith and, and Reigns. That'll be really cool. Uh, here's a question for you, and it's something I heard debated this week on, on, on a radio show. The Pac-12, are there are their playoff chances toast after after Washington went and got upset as a 15-point favorite by Arizona State? If the Pac-12 champ has two losses, which that looks extremely likely, um, definitely. I, I think I agree. And it's uh, let me ask you this. What do you think the odds are that Washington gets in if it runs the table? It would have a loss to Arizona State. Its non-conference schedule is really pretty bad. Um, do you do you think they have like a better than in 50-50 shot of getting in if they run the if table? If they run the table, yes. Um, depends on who comes out of that South division, but also what happens inside the Big 12. I think there's a real opportunity for the Big 12 to have two losses too. Um, so that could certainly open the door for a one-loss Washington champ. I think that's. I, I think I'm right there with you, Morgan. Basically, I mean, if you have two losses and you're a conference champ, it's really hard for you to get in when there's a bunch of one-loss other conference champions in front of you, or maybe a one-loss Notre Dame team, which is also possible. The, right. And we don't know. This could be a year where some conference, be it the Big Twelve or or the uh, um, the SEC maybe gets two teams in. You know, there, Potentially, there's a, there's a situation. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I think that like that's obviously a huge topic of conversation whenever you talk about the playoff. But yeah, I mean, if there's a a, a few two loss conference champs from the Power Five, definitely could see that happening. Now, but the Notre Dame situation is is interesting and might throw a wrench in that. So let's say that Michigan's offense can't score, right? And Penn State goes and just drills in this weekend. And then they, you know, n- next next time they go on the road, they go to Ohio State and they lose to Ohio State. So Ohio State wins the Big Ten. You get Penn State sitting there. It's really kind of killed everybody it's played except for Iowa. Uh, and then, you know, it lost to Ohio State. Would you take Penn State over a two loss Washington or a two loss USC? I, I think I would. So does your Penn State have one loss in that scenario? Yeah, the only loss there would, would be uh, at Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah, I would. Um, I definitely would. I mean, we saw that a little bit with a little bit of a different situation in the Big Ten last year with Penn State having two losses but winning the Big Ten. The committee still put Ohio State in, a one-loss team that lost to to Penn State and had to sit out on championship Saturday. So, but in a scenario like that, I would, I would trust the committee. And I think most people would be okay with that. Um, because as we, we've seen in the past, you know, a conference championship isn't a requirement to get into the top four. It's, it helps certainly. Um, but there's, there's other things that you have to do and other factors in play. It seems like it's almost used as a, a tiebreaker, if you will, but Tiebreakers only needed if teams are tied. If one team is clearly better, then they are willing to throw it out. As we've seen, you're, you're exactly right. Y'all are listening to the 
SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast with Bud Elliott and Morgan Moriarty. Coming to you weekly with uh, a recruiting slant on most of the hot-button issues in college football. And uh, Morgan, it's time, because teams keep losing ballgames, uh, to talk a little hot seat. Per tradition. It, it, yes, it, it's... I feel like this is very talk radio, but then again, this year we have a lot of hot seat. This is just a lot of guys have been there three, four, five years and are just not seemingly getting it done. So we'll start this week with Arkansas. And the big news, I don't know if we talked about this on last week's show. I don't think we did. Maybe we did. Did you see that Brett Bielema's buyout is not $15 million, but $5 million? I did not see that. Yeah. So when they revised his contract, they put a new new pay, uh, payout schedule in there, right? But you still have to read the payout schedule through the language of the old contract, which stipulated that you take uh, whatever the payout schedule is and multiply it by the remaining number of months on his contract. So people were looking mm-hmm. at the 15.8 number and saying, oh my God, like he's, you know, he's totally good, including me, because I was like, wow, that's a huge <laughs> number and people are not going to pay $16 million for somebody not to coach. But $5 million, when some of your big boosters are Walmart and Jerry Jones, uh, that doesn't feel like quite as big of a deal. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, that changes things significantly. Um, they are not guaranteed to make a bowl either at, at all. In fact, Bill Connolly, today I wrote a little, little hot seat piece with him on SB Nation, and I'll link it in, in this post. He has a 76% chance of Arkansas missing a bowl. And did you know they're 12 and 28 in SC play? Oh, yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I think Bill McGee easily be gone. But I don't know, and I say this all the time, I can't think of someone like right off the top that I would hire, but you'd have to think that, you know, even a younger guy who's who's done some really good things as a coordinator – you know, could could do a little bit better than what was it, twelve and twenty eight? You said. Well, if uh, if if they do miss a bowl, as Bill projects, that he will be twelve and twenty eight in SC play. I'm assuming they beat Coastal Carolina, which <sighs> they they will. Uh, the thing is, like Jeff Long seems to be like one of these level headed athletic directors. His tenure there is kind of tied to Bielema. He was the he was the chairman of the playoff and all this stuff. I, I don't think he really wants to fire Burt, but man, you got to give him some reason to keep you. And, and recruiting is not it. Their their recruiting class this year is not like anything special. They're fiftieth nationally. Yeah, I mean that's not good. Uh, where are they in the SEC? Oh, they're that nice twelfth uh, class in the SEC. So three from <laughs> three from the bottom. All right. Uh, what about Arizona and Arizona State? The, both programs got pretty big wins over the weekend. So now, Morgan, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit uh, – I'm not so sure those jobs are going to open now. Yeah, especially um, Todd Graham. I mean, he was on the hot seat as of last season pretty much. But because it's Arizona State um, – and, and, you know, he's he's done some some pretty good things there. Um, and then you, you put this win over the weekend. I mean – let me pull up their schedule to see what else they have. Uh, 
They get Utah next weekend. Oof. Although Utah didn't have their starting quarterback. It's this weekend. Sorry. They get Utah this weekend, then they get USC at home. They don't have another bye. USC at home, Colorado at home, and they go at UCLA, at Oregon State, and then the Arizona game. So what do you, they're what, 50-50 to make a bowl? Because right now they're 3-3. Three and three. you got to figure Utah, USC, Colorado, UCLA, or Arizona, they probably, what, 2-3 and three in that stretch, and then Oregon State's probably a guaranteed win? Yeah, that's fair. And depending on what happens to Washington, I think that kind of plays into it too. You know, if, if Washington turns out to not be as good as we thought in October come December, that could really change what that win looks like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. With Arizona, I mean, finding Khalil Tate, the quarterback who runs like he's Barry Sanders with, with, you know, under center, is is really nice for them. And I, I think Arizona uh, – is now almost guaranteed to make a bowl. And that would be five bowls in six years for Rich Rod. If you're Arizona, I, I, like, I get it. but And what more you want. Right. <laughs> I this mean. Is, this is kind of like the Kentucky thing. It's like, oh, hey, guess, man, Mark Stoops is going to go to back-to-back bowls. Come on. Like, do you really think you're Kentucky? You, you need to be aspiring to more than that? It's not like you're paying the guy, like, $10 million a year or anything crazy. And, I mean, Arizona lost to Utah, but we've seen the Pac-12 South race, I mean, get a little weird at the end of the season. So, potential for Arizona to sneak in there. They're second in the division right now. Absolutely. Okay, uh, here's one for you. Auburn was up 20 to nothing in Death Valley. And Gus Malzahn later says, how many points do you really think they could score? And, uh, uh, well... Enough. <laughs> Not only were they up to 20 to nothing, they had a 96% chance, according to ESPN Stats and Info, to win that game when they went up 20 to nothing. See, the problem with this is ESPN Stats and Info is not accounting for the fact that Gus Malzahn just put this thing on cruise control and took a nap, <laughs> right? Like, And then, oh, no, the, the car's in the gutter. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, oh, God, I, watching that. And I think Gary Danielson could be annoying sometimes, but he's he's not dumb. And his he was pointing out, look, LSU is just kind of desperately blitzing Auburn over and over again, mm-hmm. and Auburn just apparently has no response to blitz at all. Like they don't have, a, it's like try a screen, try to throw a pass <laughs> somewhere in the intermediate range, like not something super short and not not just another deep ball and nothing. Uh, if you're Gus, and, and the problem is I feel like like he's probably headed for 8-4, and four, and at almost any program that's okay, but Auburn is sort of the the crazies of the SEC, even by SEC standards. I don't know. I, their AD is kind of embattled. They've had a softball scandal and a basketball scandal. One of their basketball coaches got arrested in that whole uh, uh, FBI probe. Morgan, I don't know. I mean, if – this might just come down to how they play against against Georgia and Alabama. You know, if they if they play them tough, all right. But if they get if they get their doors blown off, yeah. I don't know. How much do you think the? And this is you know obviously not as a huge deal at Auburn as it is at say Louisville, but 
how much does all that other stuff going on kind of, if you're an AD, make you want to just keep mouths on for now, or at least for next season? Well, right. And look, I, th- I think if you're if you're the AD, you have the ability to fire Malzahn, sort of. But at the same time, the president has to sign off on it. And if the mm-hmm. president's going to fire the AD, the president might say, you know what? I'm not ready to hire a new AD yet. I'll yeah. wait and see how, th- how this shakes out. So maybe, Gus, why don't you just coach another season? You get your quarterback back next year. That That's true. The defense will still be pretty good. And I, I don't want to have to rush to hire an AD just to hire a football coach. Right, so Gus, maybe you could say I. I don't think they're going to fire him, but that's not doesn't look quite as good as it did when he was up twenty to nothing in, in Death Valley. <laughs> and I think Bergeron yeah. might have bought himself a whole year, by the way, like like an extra year based on, like well, extra year kind of over what what he had had in that first half. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the last two weeks going to Florida beating a team that you lost to on a goal line stand last year in a game that should have been technically in Baton Rouge, if not for the whole Hurricane Matthew stuff. And then you come back from a 20-point deficit against the number 10 team in the country. I mean, that's a pretty good two weeks when everyone was, was saying Ed Orgeron was done after LSU lost to Troy. You mentioned Florida. That's In, in this business, we call that a segue. Uh, Morgan, <laughs> I planned that. Well done. Well done. See that look, Morgan's a pro. I'm, I'm just here trying to you know, trying to trying to do the show. Morgan's like just acing everything. All right. The Gators. I watched this with some Gator friends and they are just so over McElwain. Yep. Me included. <laughs> and watching that game, um, and I was thinking about writing something about that this week, but never did. I mean, the way that Florida lost it was incredibly reminiscent of the Will Must champions. Can't get anything going on offense, so your defense is single-handedly keeping, you know, your team in the game. And then the last seven, eight minutes of the fourth quarter, they've been on the field for, for so long that they're gassed. And that's exactly what I watched on Saturday night against Texas A&M. And and the thing that I don't get, if I can go on a rant for a second, is why Jim McElwain called the Florida's final timeout when Texas A&M had the ball. There was like a minute 35 left, and he burns Florida's last timeout. Now, I get Florida's defense was gassed, and he saw that. But it, it allowed Texas A&M to run the clock down and then make that field goal and give Florida the ball back with just like 31 seconds left. Yeah, that was not good. So here's what I wrote today on McElwain. And I, look, I obviously I graduated from Florida State and I used to run, like be, be the main guy at a Florida State site. So obviously if you want to say it's biased, okay. McElwain's magic, read luck, uh, in close games has run out. He's 5'11 in games in which the opponent has scored more than 14 points. He was brought in to fix the offense and has shown little improvement over what Will Muschamp had to offer. He's recruiting very well now. But his first two classes were kind of poor by Florida standards, and as a result, the talent is not quite what it has been in better times. He's had a scandal involving about 10% of his roster, and the defense is starting to slip ever, ever so slightly. But he's also won the SCEs in each of his two, two first years, which, I, look, is kind of a hollow accomplishment I get. But more importantly, his buyout is $12.5 million. And a lot of that staff is on multi-year deals. So if you're going to buy those guys out and Mac, it's probably going to cost you like $20 million. 
I just don't think – I mean, I know Florida's loaded, but you're going to have to shake a lot of orange trees to come up with $20 million to make a coaching change this year, even if they do miss a bowl. Yeah, and especially depending on who you want to bring in because depending on who that is, it's probably not going to be cheap. And it's not necessarily a good year to hire a coach. I mean, think about mm-hmm. some of the guys you would want, right? Taggart. I think a lot of Florida fans are probably one. Yeah. He's, he's Harbaugh tree. He's done really well at USF. He's done really well at Western Kentucky. He recruits his butt off. Jeff Brom, another guy. I mean, look, as, as a Gator, I know you want to have high-flying offense. Right. And he's only been at Purdue for a year. Like, you put these coaches in weird situations, and I think a lot of them would do it just because of the prestige of that Florida program. But you put them in kind of bad spots. You're like, hey, will you leave that job you just took after only one year? You know, that that to me, if I'm recruiting against one of those guys, I'm going to say, hey, you realize he just left that job after only a year, right? Like, can you really trust this dude? Two years is a little more reasonable. It, it, there's not a whole lot of, like, hot up-and-comers in the, like, the, the AAC or, or the MAC or the, you know, the, the Sun Belt this year. Give me um, – I have the solution. Just give me Dan Mullen. Just bring him home. He's reunited with Scott Strickland. It'd be perfect. He would do a good job. Like, I, I know some people don't like him, but... But can you yet, imagine him recruiting the state of Florida? I mean, look what he's been able to do with Mississippi State recruiting classes. Starkville is so boring, all right? I, I I used to live with a guy back in law school, and he went to Mississippi State, and he would tell me how they would drive over to Tuscaloosa just to get Krispy Kremes. Oh, God. How long all is right? that drive? Uh, let's look. It's not like it, it's not like like Gainesville to Miami or anything. It, it's it's ninety minutes. Okay, but still. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that you know, and, and you've had like pro players who played for Mississippi State say that the best burger in town or the best <laughs> ice cream in town is McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of it's tough to recruit at Mississippi State. Dan Mullen is kind of a miracle worker. Like no Mississippi State coach without like ridiculous blatant cheating, <clears throat> Jack Sherrill. Uh, has come close to what he's done. I think he would do really well at a school with resources. God, it would be perfect, but I don't think it's going to happen because I could see him, you know, landing a much bigger job than Mississippi State. Yeah, in I, like I, a in like a year or two, and by that point, Max in year five in two years. So scoring double digit points a game. Oh God, I'm I'm over it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk uh, about Nebraska. Yeah, I, I I knew like when when some of the folks just went outside to hang out. I was like, oh god, they're really over back. I mean, it was like third quarter, and they're like, this is just boring. I can't. Yeah. Watch well, this. I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, it was it was interesting. Like, there were more Knowles watching that game just for almost you know Schadenfreude. Just for, <laughs> uh, let's talk Nebraska. Uh, here's your your key Nebraska stat. Last two weeks, they have lost at home to Wisconsin and Ohio State by a combined – how many points do you think they lost by, Morgan? Mm, 35. 63. 94-31 oh, is the combined shellacking they took from Wisconsin and Ohio State in Lincoln. They mm-hmm. announced uh, late last week that they have hired a new athletic director from, uh, from Washington State, Bill Moose. So that, to me – Suggests that Mike Riley is not going to make it to year four. Strongly, strongly suggest, I would say. Yeah, I would be shocked if 
um, if he sticks around with, then, I mean, what other, what else can you take away from them hiring a new ID? Exactly. And you got to think about this. Their recruiting is going well as far as like momentum that they had, but they really don't have a lot of kids in the boat. Like they, their, right. their momentum was all like, Hey, kids who might sign with them, mm-hmm. but they're not. And especially killing. now that go ahead. No, I'm saying like, they're not like really dominating. I mean, you know, they, right. they've got some good players, but it's not like they're sitting here with 10 or 12 blue chip kids, a class that Nebraska just normally has no chance to sign. They're, they're just, they're having a good, good class by their standards. Not something crazy. Yeah. And as we've talked about in the past, when it comes to, I think we talked a couple weeks ago about selling, keeping Mike Riley to the AD because of the recruiting class. But I mean, a new AD doesn't give a damn about that. So, you know, I was thinking about something. You know, Bill Moose was the AD at Montana from 1990 to 1995. I think I know where you're going with this, but continue. All right, so you got a guy who's not appreciated. He's maybe not a great fit. Uh, I got to tell you, another guy from 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 that area, Jim McElwain. He's from Missoula. He was at Montana State as the OC from 95 to 99. He was at Eastern Washington as their QB and then GA and QB slash receivers coach basically from 80 to 94. Uh, Bill Moose would have been very familiar with him, by the way. Perfect. I mean, take him. <laughs> look, Bill Moose was the AD at, at Wazoo from 82 uh, to 90. All, like the time that McElwain was at, at Eastern Washington overlaps really perfectly with the time that at Moose was at Wazoo. I wonder where Eastern Washington is actually located. Yeah, an hour and 20 minutes away. I, Morgan, go. I gotta tell you, talk about a, a place with a little bit less pressure. I, I know as a Gator fan, you'd love that. <laughs> Please take him. <laughs> I'll start the, the hashtag. Nice. If, if we get that right, by the way, um, we, we're going to need all the five-star reviews on iTunes. Yeah. Just just shoot this podcast up to, to, to number one. <laughs> Tennessee, good God. Morgan, they did everything they needed to do except score the touchdowns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, depending on what happens on Saturday to Alabama, actually, I'll, I'll just say – I know what's going to happen on Saturday against Alabama. They're going to get blown out. Um, we'll pretty much be like the nail in the coffin for Butch Jones. Agreed. And, and I'll throw you a curveball on this last one here. If you're Kevin Sumlin and you see UCLA or um, Arizona or Arizona State open up, and you've already made a boatload of money, and those schools will still pay you, you know, maybe a million less, but but still a whole lot of money, and you're getting like threats and letters with, with racial slurs in them, sent to your home. Wouldn't you just consider booking it? For Absolutely. One of those spots? Absolutely. You don't have to play Alabama every year. You can actually win your division year one. I, yeah, would, I, yeah. I would, I would run there. 
I'm, I'm going to kind of laugh if A&M loses, losing Kevin Sullivan because he actually decides to go somewhere else. That, that would be kind of funny. All right, uh, lightning round here. Uh, we already mentioned uh, Adam Anderson. We think he, that George is probably the pick for him when, when he decides to commit, the Forrester outside backer. And tight end Mustafa Muhammad is also going to commit fairly soon. I think that will be to Michigan. Last night, uh, Zamir White, there was a, a video tweeted, he is the number one running back in the country, committed to Georgia. Morgan, a kid uh, tossed his shoe into the stands, or at least attempted to when it came off on a play, a kid on the opposing defense. This was hilarious. Um, if you ha- hadn't seen it, we have it linked. Um, basically what happened was White, the defender, tried to pull him down by like his ankle. He was like like made a diving stop for him, and he ended up with his shoe. And literally like within two seconds – of the play being blown dead, the defender just like chucks it towards the stands. Um, and instead of him having to sit out for a play, uh, his White's team like smartly called timeouts so that he could just come back in on the next snap. I, I was actually sitting in the bleachers, like, like the bleachers in the end zone at a high school game when I saw this, saw this video and I put it in our Slack room so we could get it written up. Uh, and I was sitting with, with the refs during halftime of the Immokalee Dunbar game, and I said, hey, what would you guys call? If, if, and they're like, well, if we saw it happen, we could actually call a delay of the game on defense and then also a personal foul on sportsmanlike. Huh. Interesting. I like, wow. I was like, well, they had to blow a timeout. He's like, oh, well, that, you know, if, if you don't see it, it's hard. And, and then the guy did line up with, with no shoe. He, he was trying to play through it. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. He did run. He ran. He made like a 15-yard gain with the one shoe. So. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, see, I, I thought they had to call a timeout when they saw him lined up in the backfield. That That's incredible. Yeah, so, I mean, like, the guy tried to make the tackle, and then White just kept going. Oh, okay, so once it got ripped off, he, he continued to run for 15? Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. That's awesome, though. All right, uh, I know you got a flight to catch, so we'll get you out of here real quick on these. Uh, the ACC's bottom is really kind of good. I, I was looking at the conferences, the tops. Obviously, the SC probably has the best top along with the Big Ten this year. But, like, there's no Rutgers, Illinois, Kansas, Oregon State, Missouri-type team in the ACC this year. I mean, their worst team is probably Boston College, which has handled its business in the non-conference pretty well. And then Syracuse upsets Clemson. I, I I don't know that this is actually a good thing, though, for the league. Like, to have a bottom this strong is not, like, something that traditionally the polls and, and maybe not the committee uh, really reward. Yeah, it's definitely not. And, you know, we talked earlier about two-loss conference champ. I don't know if that's going to happen in the ACC, but if it does, depending on who comes out of the Coastal, um, or even if it's, you know, let's say Miami and they have two losses, um, that's, it's, it's not a good thing when teams are beaten up on each other in your own conference. No, definitely not. All right. Uh, and last thing here, we have the lines of the week. Um, we, every week we look at the lines that are kind of in that single digit range, which implies the game could probably go either way. Uh, Morgan, let's just pick one here. I know you got to go. Uh, Oklahoma state minus seven at Texas, UCF playing seven and a half at Navy, uh, Michigan State hosting Indiana and giving six and a half. LSU giving six and a half at Ole Miss. Michigan uh, is a nine and a half point underdog at Penn State. Notre Dame is favored by three and a half over USC. West Virginia is uh, a nine and a half point favorite at Baylor. And Florida State is only a five and a half point favorite against Louisville. 
So I'm picking one. I well, you know, anything really really catches your eye there, or just um, kind of feels weird. I mean, the Oklahoma State line looks really low. I do think that game's going to be close, but I'll take Oklahoma State getting seven. Maybe that's underestimating Texas a little bit, but no, no offense. I don't know the word I'm looking for. I don't mean to offend you, Texas fans. Um, Indiana at Michigan State, six and a half. Give me Sparty. I don't, I think Ole Miss can cover that six and a half just because that game feels weird with all the Ed Orgeron comments, him saying the whole time he was at Ole Miss, he was wanting to be at LSU, which there might be some truth to that, but, um, that I don't know. That game just feels weird to me. And you know that, you know that GIF uh, or, or or GIF uh, in Anchorman where he's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Yes. <laughs> I feel like Vegas is just putting this out a lot. Of them. It's like, okay, LSU you beat Auburn, and then less than a touchdown at Ole Miss. Like they're just like, I don't believe you. Uh, you know, it, it. Michigan State beats Michigan, and and uh, you know. Beats Minnesota and yet they're only they're only a touchdown, touchdown favorite at home. It, there's a lot of doubt this week in, in some of these teams that have been winning games recently. Yeah, Michigan at Penn State. Penn State nine and a half. Can Michigan score? Like that's my only real question here because I, I know Michigan's defense is awesome, but if you constantly are punting and give, giving the ball to Saquon, you got to think Saquon's going to break one or two. Yeah, I think I'll take Penn State in the points. I, I think I might too. Um, I I really like Notre Dame. I think as long as Wimbush, the, the quarterback, is healthy, man, USC is banged up. They have played a lot of really tough games back to back to back with Washington State, and then they, they got a little reprieve with Oregon State, and they, they had Utah last week, which was tough and went down to the wire. They're they're not a healthy football team right now. A lot of injuries. Notre Dame's running game is one of the best in the nation. If you look at Notre Dame on, on CFB stats, they are uh, what are they? What's their rushing per game? I mean, you're talking they're at, they're running for six point nine yards a carry. They've already had games of four twenty two, five fifteen, a buck eighty two, three thirty three, and three forty one. I, I, they may not have to pass the ball that much if they can run it on, on USC. Yeah, just because, though, this game is always so big, and it's usually pretty close. Um, plus, I liked the way that USC pulled out that win against Utah over the weekend. I'm gonna, I think USC will cover the three and a half. I think they could lose by field goal, but that would still cover the three and a half. There you go. We got some disagreement on the podcast. Uh, and then, <laughs> hey, one thing to watch out here for, I don't trust Baylor at all, like at all. But they're a little bit better than they were earlier in the year. Um, and that's a tough road trip. Like, that's a long road trip from Morgantown to uh, to Waco, Texas. It wouldn't shock me if, if Baylor hangs around there. You know, West Virginia's got a, a big-time hangover game, having just played that, that, that shocker with Texas Tech in that big comeback. That could be interesting. And I like the over in the Florida State-Louisville game. I have not bet an over in a Florida State game yet this year at all. In fact, I've bet many unders and have won uh, all of them. 
because Florida State <laughs> does not score. But uh, Louisville just gave up 360 rushing yards to Boston College. And Florida yeah. State. And BC's offense is dreadful. And I don't think Florida State's defense, what it does, is all that well-made to stop Lamar Jackson. Uh, as far as, like, discipline and playing together as a team and playing zone defense, playing discipline. And, you know, did I mention discipline? Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to take the over 59 in that. I wish I could have grabbed the 57 when it came out. But I, I think this will be the first game of the year Florida State plays that's in the 60s. So are you – so you're taking FSU to cover five and a half? I don't know about that. I actually think Louisville – I'm probably going to take Louisville if I have to. I, I just – I think that, like, the over in the points is, is is the real key there. Okay. I'll take Louisville covering that. But I do think Florida State wins, but by, like, a field goal. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the key. All right, hey, I know you got you got a flight to catch. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, I will get this up. And y'all, uh, if you enjoyed it, please you know, hey, give us a share, give us a shout out on Twitter. Make sure to follow us, and uh, we like those five star reviews on iTunes. That helps, and, and our advertisers that uh, win whenever we get those will also, in theory, like those good reviews. So, if you got any questions too, you can always shoot us to those. We'll maybe do a little Q and A segment next time. For Morgan Moriarty and Bud Elliott, it's been the Espionation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. Have a good one, y'all.